Those familiar notes come from one of my favorite songs, 2001, which takes place in the second set of August 8th, 1998 at the Merriweather Post Pavilion in Columbia, Maryland. And that 2001 is one of my more underrated ones. It is pretty smooth, really groovy, great page work, mic work, tray work. It's all kicking. It's all locked in. It is awesome. So make sure you check out the full version if you were digging that clip. And welcome everybody to episode 64 of the Daily Soundcheck. I am your host, Mike Lawn Memo Minio. And before we get started, I would like to remind everybody we are a proud partner of the Osiris Podcast Network, which you can find at OsirisPod.com. Lots of great podcasts on there. You will dig many of them if you like ours and are into music. And as we go forward, make sure you're checking out the podcast at TheDailySoundcheck.com. Recently, I just added all of the shows are on the bottom right-hand corner of the webpage. It's an easy way to find them all. So if you listen on the web, it's a really easy way to get chronologically from start to finish. And of course, if you're on Spotify, you can do that a lot easier and iTunes, things like that. But if you're listening to different platforms, please help out the pod, give us a nice rating and hit me up in Twitter and let me know what you think of the show. I love when everybody hits me up and says, you know, love this. This was sweet. You know, I appreciate that. It's a lot of work and a little loving is pretty cool. So I'm excited for today's episode. I recorded this with a good friend of mine who I interviewed and we talked about today's soundcheck, which he attended. And that's Scott Bernstein. And Scott has long been one of my favorite people in the fish scene and a good friend of mine. He pretty much was one of the biggest factors for me getting any kind of recognition. When I first started writing The Daily Ghost, he was one of the first to retweet me. He told people to read my blog, to follow me on Twitter, and it's been nothing but, you know, just complete support from Scotty for the entire time I've been doing this. And I owe him a lot of gratitude, and he's a really great guy. So I'd reached out to a lot of uh, people that I respect about uh, coming on the show and being a guest, and Scotty was one of the first ones to hit me up. And he got to pick the show he wanted to do, and today is the day. So we recorded this about a month ago, so there's a one thing in there that may be a little bit weird. When this was recorded, was right when tickets went on sale, and there was a big thing with uh, the Surrender to the Flow account. There was some nasty stuff going on, which was not very cool, so there's a, a little bit of reference just because that was on our minds in the interview for a little bit. Not too much of that, uh, but basically our interview follows. Um, Scotty gives his background to YEM blog, how that got started. He talks a little bit about Jam Basin and his affiliation with that, uh, why he chose the Merriweather show today, and he gives a little bit of the show outline, some of the highlights, and then he talks about some of the sound checks that is really interesting because he's got a little inside info that even I don't know about. So that was pretty cool for me to hear. And then uh, he recalled some other sound checks, gives a little bit of his favorites, and we talk about today's sound check a little bit. So this interview runs just over about half an hour. So just giving you an idea, I'm going to play it in its full, in its entirety. We're going to come back. I will give you a little bit more history on Merriweather because we didn't do a good enough job of that. So we'll come back from the interview. I'll do that, and then I'll play the two sound checks, and that'll be our show for today. So without further, further ado, I present to you my interview and recap of today's sound check with Scott Bernstein. So welcome, everybody. Very pleased to have one of my all-time favorite people in the fish community join us today to talk about today's Soundcheck show. 
which is August 8th, 1998 at Meriwether Post Pavilion. And that is the godfather of the fish twinnernet, the man of men among all of us. And that is Scott Bernstein, the owner of YEM Blog and Hey Scotty V. Scott, welcome to the Daily Soundcheck. Very glad to have you. Thank you for uh, having me. And thank you very much for the kind words. Uh, I'm glad I love this series. And I'm glad to uh, be talking about a show that holds a very special place in my heart. So before we get to that, Scotty, let's just kind of talk about um, everything that you do for the community, because I think it's very important. You've helped me out uh, throughout my career getting the Daily Go started. You've been a big helper getting me the Daily Soundcheck, and I owe you so much to that, and I'm very thankful to have you as a friend. And I guess I guess we're colleagues maybe even at this point. Uh, so you kind of started out with YEM Blog. I think it's kind of a cool story. We want to talk about maybe how that got started? Absolutely. Um, well, actually, you know, my, my writing goes back to uh, – 2006, uh, when a buddy, uh, Slade Somer, and a fish fan, um, was asked by Glide Magazine to start a blog. Um, he called the, the blog Hidden Track. And um, he, I was on a message, private message board with him, and he liked what I had to say and asked me if I'd write an article every once in a while for, for this Hidden Track. And it went really well. And one article a week turned into one article a day turned into a couple articles a day because I had a job that had a lot of free time and I really enjoyed what I was doing. And, uh, after a few years, Slade, uh, got a job that uh, didn't allow him any free time and essentially threw the keys over to me. And I ran hidden track, uh, until 2013 when Jambase offered me a full-time job as their editor. And, um, uh, I've since become the editorial director, and I've now it's going to be six years at, at Jambase in 2019. And in the middle of all this, in um, 2008, um, I noticed that a lot of people were sharing fish content, whether they were writing about fish, whether they were sharing recordings that had never been digitalized before, sharing videos to a new site called YouTube. And there was just no great way to keep up with all of the new, quote unquote, fish content on the web. So um, it just came to me in a dream one night and I woke up and uh, I said, why don't I just have a, a blog that just has links to all of the new fish content on the web every day? And I told my friend, uh, Davo, um, he's Davo SF on Twitter about it, and uh, he went on to become uh, the CEO of Jambase and was part of the reason that I got brought on there. And originally, uh, you know, my plan was to work with him on it, but it wound up becoming more of a just my thing. And um, Fishwit um, is a site run by another one of my buddies, and and he um, helped uh, design the back end of Yam Blog, and um, it really was just uh, links to all different fish contents on, on the web. But at some point, um, you know, at this point, Twitter was becoming a thing, and uh, fish hit the road again. Uh, Fish announced their comeback maybe two weeks after I started Yam Blog, 
And uh, I decided that this was before Fish from the Road was tweeting every song that uh, um, when Fish came back at Hampton and at Fenway Park, I would tweet as the shows were going on and tweeted the song they were playing and any major notes about it so that the days before webcast, people could find out what was going on at the show. And um, then uh, the first show that I missed in 2009, um, I believe it was a friend Wade Wilby asked if he could take over the account and tweet from the show. And from 2009 to 2011, we had somebody um, at each and every show tweeting the uh, set list and reports. And, you know, it, it became much less about yumblog.com than about the Facebook and especially the Twitter feed. Mm -hmm. um, around 2011, Fish from the Road started. And quite honestly, it was becoming more of a job than fun. And it was taking away from my enjoyment of Fish, even if it wasn't me live tweeting from the show um i still was in charge uh, it was still my brand and if somebody was being an asshole um on the account which happened a few times unfortunately um it, I, I still felt bad about it and you know kicked them off and quickly found somebody else to uh to take over so stopped doing the live tweeting thing in about 2011 and now yeah blog uh, i still try to uh i have a friday conversation that i start nearly every week and i share links to uh good new fish content that i see and try to help people that are starting uh blogs or podcasts like yourself and that's where we're at yeah so you know let me ask you this so i know how much time it takes for me to run lawn memo and just how much time i spend how many hours a day do you think you're online between different social media outlets, whether it's YEM blog or it's Jambase, or I'm just interested in that personally. Between 8 and about 6.30 p.m., I am in front of a computer and have one monitor that has Twitter, TweetDeck going at, at all times. So, um, you know, I'm extremely connected during those times and you know, the, I've been very good about you know, not not being on social networks during the weekend. And thankfully, um, about three years ago, we hired a, somebody to work on the weekends. And uh, that, that, again, you don't want music to be such a job that it takes away from your enjoyment of what you love so much. And right now, I feel like I've, I've got a good balance between doing what I love and still enjoying the music. You found that tray balance, huh? A little bit of everything and making it all work for you. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, the, um, you can always, you know, the one thing I'll tell you about Scotty is he's one of the nicest guys around, very positive, and he loves all music. Um, there's nobody that knows more about the entire genre of all jam bands including, you know, a lot of different other genres, but especially jam bands. And Scotty's fish trivia knowledge is, is really great. So if you ever have any questions, I can tell you that you can go to Scotty. He'll help you find different fish stuff or any other artist out there. He's great at promoting everybody, and he's pretty positive about everything that's going on. That's one thing that I always 
have noticed about you over the years, Scotty, and it's refreshing, uh, especially in light of what's gone on today, which is a different story. But uh, it's good to have you with the with the positive attitude. Yeah, and, and I appreciate that. And uh, you know, and uh, you know, I'm a I'm a journalist, and I guess you could call me a critic, but you know, what I'm best at, in my opinion, is being a curator and I know what I like, I know what I love and I love introducing other people to that. So it's not often I'll go to a show that I don't like because I know what I like. (laughs) And I certainly, um, if fish plays a shitty version of stash where they're screwing up every, uh, whole composed part, I'll note as much, but um, the 20 minute down with disease that comes later will make me quickly forget about that. Sure. So I, I, I do, you know, uh, there is a part of me that's, that's critical, but I do love it so much that, uh, you know, I, I, I tend to focus on the positives and if that's a bad thing, then so be it. I don't think it's a bad thing. Another question that just came to me uh, that I want to ask you, we'll do it right here on the air, is you're very famous on Twitter for flipping desks. And I was wondering if you happen to remember when the first time you flipped a desk was and how that all started. That's a great question. I have no idea. (laughs) It dates back a a long time. Uh, I I would guess around the 14 or or so um but i remember that it was one show that i did one flip desk and then i um you know uh built a fire with the flip desk and burned the desk and that was when people started to really get a kick out of it yeah and i feel like i remember so I the whole thing and i want to say maybe do you think maybe it might be like st louis Back when they did that awesome show and Limb by Limb. Yeah. I feel like that rings a bell to me. Yeah, that's very awesome. You know, I, I, I really need to I'm sure I, I think can, you wrote about that for me actually, if I remember correctly. I did. Yeah. I remember that was that, that uh for the two thousand and thirteen series yeah. looking back two thousand and twelve I did. So but I'll have to search that. Yeah. But uh just happened pretty organically. Yeah, it's great. It's always it always cracks me up, so all right, so we'll get to kind of, there's a little intro on Scotty. And again, you can follow him at Hey Scotty B, or you can get him at him at YEM blog as well. Um, so Scotty is... And jam based. And jam based, yes. Um, so we can, we're going to get into a little bit about, I, I put out some feelers to some of the people I like talking to about what shows they might want to come on the Daily Soundcheck uh, to talk about. And Scotty was one of the first to get back to me and he chose today's Soundcheck, which is August 8th, 1998 at Merriweather. And Scott, maybe you can just write, go in and tell me why you happened to choose that. What was it? Was it the show? Was it the sound check? Was it a specific memory you have from that show that made you want to come on and talk about it? Well, uh, that that show holds a very special place in my, my heart. Um, it's going to be 25 years since my first fish show in April. And I've always had mixed success when it comes to picking the right fish shows to attend and you know, I was so close to catching that bus outfield night in Burgettown in 2003, but decided to see a show in Raleigh that was a real snoozer instead. <laughs> Back in 2000, I chose two nights in Columbus, 
over what turned out to be a legendary run at Deer Creek. Um, but I hit the fish jackpot <clears throat> in 1998 when I decided to do Merriweather and Virginia Beach. And obviously in Virginia Beach, they played Terrapin Station by the Grateful Dead, which was such an incredible experience. And the reaction of the fans is something that I will just never forget. And <clears throat> that summer I had an internship working for a company that did the licensing for at the time, what was a new television show called South Park. And it was a great gig. And, you know, my, my duties in, involved sharing my opinions on items that various companies pitched using the logos and characters from the Comedy Central series, with, which like fish is still growing strong all these years later. Sure. And the only downside was that I had to sit on the sidelines as fish was embarking on what soon became known as the jukebox tour filled with one cover debut after another. And my last day on the job was uh, Friday, August 7th, 1998. And I, I planned to catch the, the, that weekend shows and start my tour there. And so it was the band's headlining debut at Meriwether Post Pavilion. And I had always heard it was a really cool Frank Erie designed venue. Um, and so I did something that night that I've never done since and um, hope to never do again. I bought a ticket from a scalper. <laughs> I bought one single third row seat um, for $150. And you know, it, I totally, it was amazing. I felt like Trey was looking at me the whole night and like, I feel like everyone feels that way, but I mean, it really, I was so locked in and show an incredible flow. It had a set list filled with songs that I hadn't either, either I hadn't seen previously, hadn't caught in years or some of my favorites. And of course this was the jukebox tour. So the two cover debuts in Maryland were, if, if I had to choose which ones to see besides Terrapin, will probably be the first and second ones I, I picked. Um, the first set ended with the Fish debut of uh, the Velvet Underground, Sweet Jane. And I love Trey Solo in Sweet Jane. And it's not type two, it's type one. But he just strung together one incredible, fluid, and potent riff after another. And it's just two minutes of desk-flipping-worthy Trey guitar soloing and you know whenever i get in a bad mood i can put that on and by the end of the solo i'm ready to take on the world again and and then there was the encore and i will never forget this moment fish comes out mike who's always so stoic and you never get really any emotion from him had the biggest shit eating grin on his face and all of a sudden starts the distorted riff that sabotage and the place went fucking nuts in a way that was so different than terrapin terrapin was so emotional and hugs and people crying this was people with their arms up in the air screaming and it was just arms flailing everywhere you looked i mean sabotage was just about the last song anyone thought this crunchy band from Vermont would cover. And uh, so the, the show itself 
incredible. Had such a great night. Then that night, um, uh, it was one of my best friends, Mark Wilson. It was his birthday. And a bunch of us gathered at a motel, in, a shitty motel in College Park, um, celebrate his birthday. And we just laughed and laughed all night long and just the glow of coming off what I still consider, even though there aren't type crazy type two jams, um, I still consider it one of my favorite two set shows Fish has, Fish has ever played. And uh, and then you considered it the next day it was Virginia Beach. And I mean, it, it, I just I, I, I love everything about the show. It's uh, it's pretty awesome, and uh, I was lucky. I didn't catch this, but I was lucky to catch the other two times that Fish played Sabotage at Dix and at Saratoga, and it was really crazy both of those times too. I mean, it's we all us jam band fans have this uh, hard rocker gene in us, and I think it comes out during Sabotage and when they played Killing in the Name of. I mean, you could see videos of people just losing their mind to that. So. It's kind of like we're we're happy go lucky, but when the right chord or the right song hits, uh, we got a lot of tension to re- release sometimes. Exactly, and uh, you know, for being such a huge jam band fan, being so in the jam scene, before I found Fish, um, my tastes were were very eclectic and listened to a lot of alternative rock. And my sister was always ahead of the the pack when it came to finding great bands and you got to remember the beastie boys um blew up in when they released their debut album and then they put out paul's boutique in 1989 and no one bought it um it was such a so different from license fail mm-hmm. and it wasn't copy the people weren't that into it and then they came out um with uh the album with uh, with check your head a few years later and my sister took me to a taping of a show called hanging with MTV uh, that fish was actually on and the beastie boys. I, I had only known them from license to ill and the, here they were playing their instruments and playing songs like groove Holmes and sabotage and what you want and pass the mic and uh, I was just blown away by them and uh, wound up seeing them a number of live a number of times after that. So um, the BC Boys of Sabotage, you know, held a special place in my heart. So this, this show, you know, you definitely hit on probably, I think, what the most memorable parts of the show are. Um, I know the show pretty, pretty well as, you know, also, and I am a pretty good historian on 2001. And this one is a pretty solid version one that makes the jam chart for that I wrote. So pretty cool. Right. In the beginning uh, out of cavern. I, I don't know if you like this version as much as I do. Yeah, it, it's definitely a good, uh, 2001. I, you know, you talk about, um, we were all, what I love about fish. We all have different opinions. Um, I, I like a good jammed out 2001, but I got to admit, I also love a three minute 2001, <laughs> burst into a mic song sure. or burst to run like an antelope. Um, so there was a time where I was kind of hoping fish would get back to the days of the three minute 2001 as uh, hard as that is to hear. But, you know, outside of that, I, I feel the cavern 
that opened that second set is the funkiest version besides the island tour. Mm-hmm. I mean, slow and grooving. And then you got this hot 2001, and then you've got Tila. Um, my first Tila in uh, probably a hundred shows at that point. And uh, love the contrast I, of the of that rock in 2001 exactly. to Tila. It's a great call. Love it. I mean, talk about contrast. This whole show yeah. was full of contrast. You've got uh, Piper followed by Sexual Healing. <laughs> I love the hood. Um, it's got a strong ending. Um, one of the few complaints I have about 3.0 Fish is that I miss the riff at the end of Harry Hood that Trey used to play that I just wonder if he just physically can't play anymore. Um but um, maybe yeah, that second maybe he's forgot about it. Like the second Mike's jam, we got to get Drew to get on him and talk to him yeah. about it. Or maybe I'll just send them a tweet. <laughs> we'll see. So, um, so do you remember when you first heard the sound check by any chance, or you know? Yes. Okay. Cool. So, um, in about 2004, I believe it was, word started getting out that some people had a soundboard recording of the Merriweather show. And uh, once I heard that, after I explained um, my relationship with the show, I had to, to get it. And, uh, uh, you know, a friend of a friend got me the, uh, at, at the time, I, I believe it was CDs. I think we were at CDs <laughs> at that point. And not only did it have the soundboard of the whole show, it had as the filler um, the Terrapin from Virginia Beach, and it also had the sound check. But the weird part is, is that I totally remember the Shafty and listening to the Shafty for the first time, um, and it's really cool. Trey it plays it straight the whole way through. The other members of the band are using it as a sound check and saying, "Fish saying, hey Mike, can you sing?" So I can uh, get your levels right. And um, I never, I, I guess until about a couple of days ago when this came up, I didn't really realize they also sound checked um, if you need a fool. And today, listen to that for the first time. So it's really weird. I don't know if I just, the copy that I had just didn't have if you need a fool on it. Um, but um, I had heard the Shafty. One was unfamiliar with uh, if you need a fool. So look at that. The daily sound check, even bringing new sound checks to Scotty B. Listen out there. See, that's what we're here for. There you go. <laughs> uh, and it's a really good version of if you need a fool. And do you know any history on that song? Or um, I know it's a Del McCurry song. Okay. And that's one of the tunes that they played with Dell at Oswego. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the third time it was played. Only been played third times. And that was the last time. Right. So it didn't, uh, you know, Beauty of My Dreams caught on, but If You Need a Fool did not. Beautiful song. You're going to love, you're going to love hearing that. So, uh, any, so that's great, Scotty. Thanks for filling us in on that. Yeah. And the Shafty is, you know, we'll be playing that for you. And of course it's really great. Um, any sound checks you, you know that, you know, you're very up with the sound checks. You even curated a Spotify playlist that we've linked many times that has all the official sound checks, uh, listed there. Very helpful to the show even. And uh, any favorite sound checks you have other than today's? Well, um, I 
the next summer at Merriweather, um, I sat in the woods right in front of the venue. And it's really weird because it's not on the Fishnet set list, but they did a jam. They did this hot 10, 15 minute jam where um, Trey called himself the bad lieutenant. And then the other members of the band called him the bad lieutenant. And Trey would play this crazy riff and say, I am the bad lieutenant. And obviously the Bethel wave soundcheck is incredible. Um, all of the festival soundchecks um, are up there. Uh, I love the short portion of Jessica mm-hmm. from 590, uh, 8 by 10 Club that's out there. Always wish they played more of that. Very cool. We, and then we got yeah, we, more we of that. that. Big fan of that one, too. And I will also say that I've had the pleasure of listening to a handful of sound jacks that aren't in circulation. Um, and uh, some of the best fish music took place in sound checks. And one day they're going to release a box set of sound checks and people are going to have their minds blown. And of course, the first disc is just going to be full of dog logs. <laughs> he knows the history. <clears throat> so you have caught sound checks in person. Like, have you had it been able to sneak your way in to see some live or just kind of on the outskirts of the venue? I've never uh, just uh, only on the outskirts of, of the venue. Okay. Um, another memorable one that I'll say is um, Camden. I perhaps it was either 10 or, or 11. Um, and they played um, um, halfway to the moon and jammed it out. And it's the kind of, I've been waiting for them to oh, jam out. Halfway same, same. Ever since hearing that sound check. And I will just uh, also say of the um, sound checks, the recordings that I've listened to um, that are uncirculated, uh, the, the one that I'll discuss is they did this one blues jam where they would be jamming on a blues progression that would wind up every couple of minutes on the chorus of Cocaine by J.J. Kale slash Eric Clapton. And then go into a different kind of blues jam and it would resolve itself in cocaine. And this went on for about 10, 15 minutes. And I've been begging the person that played it for me to release it. But um, I have a feeling um, the fish organization would know who that was if they did. But again, I, I feel one day we're going to get a sound check box set and it's going to be awesome. I would pay quite a bit of money for that. I'm I'll, I'll, I'll put that right out there now. So fish, if you happen to be listening, uh, if you need some money, that might be a good, good idea. Exactly. <laughs> well, Scott is great to have you. Um, anything else you want to share with fish sound checks, Merriweather, anything that, uh, we missed. Um, I would just say that it was interesting. Uh, Getting into that show that year, um, both in terms of parking and driving, um, was an absolute shit show. And uh, I know a lot of people that missed most of the first set because of how bad the traffic was and getting in. 
And it was so interesting because the next year, all my friends, let, we, we stayed about a half hour away. We left at like one o'clock just because we were so scared of the traffic situation and pulled right in. And everyone we talked to pulled right in. So I'm not sure what went down that year in 1998 that made it so difficult. But um, it uh, I've never had a problem since. And um, Fish is playing there on June 22nd and June 23rd. The 23rd is my birthday. Um, I've only seen two birthday shows in the past. So I'm particularly excited for that one. And uh, thanks to my uh, verified situation, um, couldn't pull two, three, or four tickets, anything but lawn. But when I went to one, a pit ticket was available. Look at you. I'll be in the pit. Um, hope to uh, see some people so there. You, so your show here, your third row, and for your birthday, you're going to be pit. Look at you, man. You're killing exactly. it at Merriweather. Very cool venue. I'm, it's one of my favorites. Um, just so unique, and you got the pinball lounge, and the lawn's even great since they've raised the shell, and supposedly they're supposed to be roof seating this year or, or next year. That's, do you see this? Anything about that? That's news to me. I yeah, didn't hear that. I'll have to send you a link on that, but um, it's a, it's a great venue. Very cool place. It's very different than anywhere else and, and sounds good. The shed's nice inside and a lot of great shows over the years have been played there. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, Scott, well, thanks so much for, for joining us. Um, you can also make sure you check out, you know, Scotty kind of leads a, a podcast himself, which is the Jam Base podcast. And maybe you can give us a, a couple minutes on that, Scott. I'm a big fan of it, but you can kind of do a better job than I would. So, Well, I, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, coming into it, um, one of our things was we felt like um, some podcasts were just too long in this day um, of people's low attention span. How we wanted to deal with that was – we have segments and some of the segments are tour stories where, for instance, Dwayne Trucks told us um, about his initiation into widespread panic and uh, oh, how Colonel Bruce read his mind. We have we did quit my day job with Spafford, where the members of Spafford talked about their last jobs before they were able to quit them and go on the road. We have all access where we've talked to people behind the scenes about what their jobs are in the music industry. We have reeling in the years. Um, I've got one coming up with Carl Denson where it's not just focused on the different bands they've been in over the years, but the methods of travel they've used. How did the Grey Boy All-Stars tour in 1994 versus how is he touring with the Rolling Stones in 2015? And uh, some other um, uh, segments are Musical Mentors, which is pretty self-explanatory. We're going to be starting one called Castaway. Um, Our first one's going to be with Andy Frasco, who has his own podcast. It's great. And just talking about his podcast is great. Yeah, exactly. About that. And so, um, you know, we start each one with the rundown of, recent news stories or in the case of uh, Jam Cruise, I recruited uh, Diana Hank and Maya Gans to help me uh, recap uh, Jam Cruise. And we basically aim for about 15 minutes with that. The other segments are between 15 minutes and 20 minutes. 
So it's a half hour. It's between a half hour and an hour. Sometimes it goes a little more than that, but it's bite-sized segments. So if you want to just listen to Dwayne Trucks tell Torah stories, you could skip ahead to the 30-minute mark. Um, but, you know, that that's what we do because I, I found in, in general – Sometimes podcasts are, are too long, and uh, th- th- that that's how we we deal with that. And um, we're now up to about thirty episodes. There's a lot of uh, interesting ones coming. We've got a special occasion coming up for Jam Base that I'll be excited to talk about in a few months. And um, it's uh, it, it's exciting times. Very good. If you need uh, any help finding that, you can certainly hit me or Scotty up, and we'll direct you there. It's a great podcast. Absolutely. Just Google uh, Jambase podcast or put podcast into the search bar on Jambase. And of course, we're on Spotify. We're on uh, Stitcher. We're on Google Play or any of your favorite podcast providers. So again, thanks, Scotty. Glad to have you. And uh, I'm sure we'll catch up in the future. Thanks, bud. Sounds good. Keep up the great work. So again, I want to thank Scott Bernstein for joining the show, taking the time out to make the show real cool for today. Scott, you the man. Very nice job on the interview. So before we get to the sound check, let me talk a little bit about the Meriwether Post Pavilion. Now, the MPP, as we're going to call it for short, uh, it opened in 1967 and was renovated in 2015 and 2016 and a little bit of new renovations uh, last summer in 2018. In 2002, it was actually named the second best amphitheater in the United States by Billboard. In 2013, it was the fourth rated amphitheater by Rolling Stone. It was designed by a guy named Frank Gehry and David O'Malley, and it was named for the American Post Foods heiress Marjorie Merriweather Post. What a name. Very, very famous people have played here. It is a symbol of rock and roll. Uh, Hendrix, Janis Joplin, The Doors, Zeppelin, The Dead, who, you know, a who's who of rock and roll. And the record is Jimmy Buffett playing here a whopping 42 times, the most by anyone. Pretty interesting story. May 25th, 1969, Zeppelin actually opened for the who, for the who at Meriwether, and they were the opener. They played Whole Lot of Love for only the second time ever at that point. And it, they went so long as the opening band, the Who Road members actually literally pulled the plug on Led Zeppelin. So that's a pretty interesting story. Uh, Jimmy Carter actually joined Willie Nelson twice on stage to sing Georgia on My Mind at Meriwether. In 2003, it was Meriwether came onto a lot of financial hardship, and there was a movement to shut it down, and there was a counter movement to keep it open. And a guy by the name of Ian Kennedy started the Save Merriweather campaign in 2003. And he said he would not shave until he knew Merriweather's future was in, you know, credible hands and that he didn't have to worry about it having a future anymore. So it went on. Uh, in 2003, the 930 Club owner, uh, Seth Hurwitz, became the MPP promoter. And he did a pretty nice job kind of getting things going down there. Uh, the Virgin Free Fest, Virgin Mobile Company, has a free fest there, which they give free tickets to people that meet a certain charity uh, goals and you know objectives. So it's a free thing that they all go to. If you did go with a charity, Virgin has a ticket for you. 
So eventually in 2018, uh, Ian Kennedy shaved his beard once he found out that the security was all good for Meriwether and they were looking good for the foreseeable future. So it was quite the beard and quite the event. And then a very famous band to come from Baltimore, Animal Collective, actually named one of their albums and one of their better albums. They named it Meriwether Post Pavilion. So pretty amazing venue. It's a kind of a throwback when you go there and there's actually a pinball arcade that you can go and play. There's uh, the all the vending machines are in barns and it's just it's its own thing. It's beautiful as far as the shed. Great sound in there. Now that they've raised the lawn, uh, it looks, you know, even the lawn's better there. So the sight lines are, are much better at Meriwether. It's just a great place to see a show. Definitely one of the cooler stops on tour. And if you've never been, you should try to make it out this year. So that's the Meriwether Post Pavilion. And again, we have a two song sound check to play for you today. So our sound check today is two songs. As we talked about in the interview, it's If You Need a Fool and Shafty. They both together clock in around 13 to 14 minutes. And I'm going to play one track when we come back as a bonus track to play us out for today. So here we go. If You Need a Fool and Shafty, the sound check from August 8th, 1998 at the Meriwether Post Pavilion in Columbia, Maryland. Break my heart to 
groove to that. Things sound good up here. Hey Paige, can you talk in your vocal mic for a second? Yeah. Hey two two. Can I can you turn him down a little bit? You'll just go on and oblivious fool. You just go on. That's good. You'll just go on no, and that's too much. Fool. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Fool. Oh. Um. Um. So Paul, I notice that often when I click on my mic during the thing, that's when I we get a lot of feedback. Is is that uh? Should I be doing something to maybe like keep my face in front of the mic or something? Ah, okay. Okay. Well, does it make a difference how loud I have my own voice in the monitor? I, have I got me cranked up a lot more? You want to bring me down a little bit? Bring me down a little bit. Yeah, take take me down here. Oh, I, if I project more, then I may need it down even more. So great sound check, amazing soundboard from this show, which circulates everywhere. So you can go right to the spreadsheet and download this soundboard for this whole show, and it's definitely worth your time. Killer sound check, killer sound killer show it's got it all so i'm going to close you out with what scotty b was talking about and the encore which is the first and the debut version of fish playing sabotage to get you ready for the weekend so again this is sabotage from merriweather august 8th 1998 
Now that's a pretty awesome way to close the show. So thanks everybody for joining us here at the Daily Soundcheck and episode 64. Next week, I am the special guest for a Radiohead deep dive over at Beyond the Pond, which I've been counting down on Twitter. I had a huge Radiohead conversation with those guys, and it was absolutely a blast for me. So check that out. You can find that on Beyond the Pond, or I will be able to steer you there when it goes up next week. So I will catch you guys. Make sure you're checking out 21 and 21 on lawnmemo.com. Appreciate everybody checking out the show. Enjoy your fish, and peace be the journey. This is Mike Ganser of Aqueous letting you know the Daily Soundcheck is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris connects you with podcasts, videos, and live experiences about the artists and topics you love. Visit OsirisPod.com to check out our shows. Osiris works in partnership with Jambase, which connects music fans with the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. Check them out at jambase.com.